You know, there are things from your past that you look at and you think, yeah, whatever happened to that? Like you, you drive by a Kentucky Fried Chicken and every once in a while you pass by a bucket and you think, what happened to that? I love that bucket. You know? Or like a sign from your past. It'll just trigger a memory from childhood. Remember when you were a kid and you'd just be, you know, running feral around the neighborhood with your packs of friends and you'd see, you know, every once in a while you'd see a sign up, this community protected by neighborhood watch. And in the middle, like, and this is what caught our attention, is there were three houses with kind of eyeballs. I think they were probably supposed to be flashlights, but maybe they were eyeballs. I don't know. It was a really great logo. And I saw one not too long ago, and it was a faded sign. And I thought to myself, I wonder if they're still protected by neighborhood watch. Whatever happened to neighborhood watch? And then today I'm perusing the online papers And I see that there is a Mississauga neighborhood that's reduced its crime by an estimated 80%. How? Neighborhood Watch. These are residents on Applewood Road. And over the years, they had uh, numerous uh, vehicle thefts and break-ins. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I I understand. I can relate. Because this could be happening in your neighborhood. But in just three years after establishing a Neighborhood Watch program, that crime has dropped by 80%. In fact, when they first started talking to each other, this is a, a street of 110 residents, uh, 92 of the 110 residents on this street agreed to sign up for the um, for the program because many of them had experienced victim, they had experienced the uh, vehicle vandalism or break-in. So they said, well, let's do it. How did they do it? Well, they reached out to Safe City Mississauga. And here to talk about it, Teresa Burgess Ogilvie, who's with Safe City Mississauga, the executive director, joins the Kelly Cotrera Show. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thanks, Kelly. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. I'm so happy that Neighborhood Watch still exists because I think it's up to the community to keep everybody safe. And uh, this isn't a vigilante sort of thing. It's just a, hey, we've got our eyes and ears on what's going on. We're plugged in. We're all looking out for each other. And that's the last thing that uh, thieves want. They want you to be kind of little islands. Exactly. And that's us fighting back that, you know, for 30 years, we've had this program and COVID really brought it to light for a lot of people because they were home for the first time, you know, over long periods of time. And uh, we have a very active neighborhood watch program with a lot of stuff built in, like uh, crime prevention through environmental design. So when you let us know that you want to start a neighborhood watch, we actually come into your neighborhood. We work with the volunteers that want to step up and be the team leads. And then we walk the neighborhood. Uh, We bring along Peel Regional Police. We bring along your local counselor. We're talking, we're walking, we're looking at what needs to be fixed. We start fixing things that that we can fix on um, public property. And then we start talking to the homeowners about what they can do to harden their properties and their vehicles. It's quite funny. We ask a lot of people, like, what is in your garage that costs as much as your vehicle? And 90% of the time, they say not a thing. It's storage. Right. So we help them to think about things like that. So, yeah, we're, we're very excited about our program. So wait a minute. You're like the God junk people, except you, you encourage them to take things out of their garages and actually use them for their intended purpose. And that's going to cut down right there on theft. Absolutely. All and right. Little things like, you know, the size of the screws that you have in your, in your door jams. Um, putting a, a, a lock on your uh, steering wheel, you know, things that you just don't think about on a daily basis. And so we help you to think about those things and 
And it's a way that you can arm yourself and, and feel like you're doing your part to at least make it difficult for criminals to access your property. Uh, and if they find it difficult to access, then they're going to go someplace else. Sure. It, it has to be crime of opportunity, right? It, you have to be uh, make yourself available to uh, being victimized in some cases when we're talking about, you know, quick theft, because that's what they want to do. They want to get in, get out. Give us an example of private property, things that you you said you recognize, uh, you observe things on pri- pri- public property, rather, that can be fixed. What examples could you give us? Uh, sure. So that could end up being uh, maybe a light is out on uh-huh. the street and no one's called to have the light uh, fixed. It can be um, a gate that is broken and hasn't been repaired. It can be uh, an access of, of an area that's been overgrown with trees and, and brush and things like that. And it may just be a community cleanup. It may be an area under a bridge that's in your community. And we'll go in and we do what we call Operation Clean Sweep where everyone in the neighborhood and our volunteers come together with resources from the city of Mississauga. And uh, we paint and we clean and we straighten. And um, because, of course, you know, people like to see that a nice, clean place, it, it does deter crime. Sure. Um, how much does the having a, a neighborhood watch uh, operating within your street. Um, how, do, how does it bring the community together? Because what you're talking about here makes me feel like, you know, people kind of get to know them, their neighbors. Absolutely. And I think that's where we differ from whatever else you call um, neighborhood watch. And that is that um, we get our neighborhood watch members involved in neighbors night out. So they end up hosting um, their own event on their street. They can actually apply to have their street um, closed off for the evening. And everyone comes out and they have a fun party on the street getting to know each other. Uh, we also have charity drives. Uh, last year, we, our neighborhood watches raised over 1,000 pounds of food, mm-hmm. 305 articles of clothing, and over $1,000 for the Mississauga Food Bank. So that's what I'm talking about, getting active. Like, we get them involved in the community and in the things that our community needs to to raise up our most vulnerable in our communities. Okay, and when you become part of Neighborhood Watch, what are your mm-hmm. responsibilities? So when you become a member, um, what you get access to is a lot of ways to connect with one another. Um, And what you should expect in return is that the crime on your street is going to go down because more people are reporting. A lot of people are scared to report. They don't know what that process looks like. So we take them through that process um, so that it takes away that fear of reporting. And then they can report in the system amongst their own neighborhood watch members Mm -hmm. that we have set up for them. Or they can report, and we do um, strongly encourage them to also report to the police. So we're not talking about uh, groups of people, you know, roaming the neighborhood at night to make sure that everything's safe. You don't have to do anything like that. Not at all. So this this is a, a, a nice, safe way with Zoom cameras on everybody's door. Oh, we got to get a Zoom camera. Well, you don't have to get one, but we teach you, if you have one, how to use that. Um, how to keep, you know, valuables inside of your house, your, your car keys and fob bags and things like that. So it's all about participating, um, participating in the things that keep your house safe and participating with your neighbors to get to know them so that if, you know, they see something that they feel comfortable talking to you about it. Teresa, do you ever get pushback from residents that are like, I am not interested at all. I'm good. Thanks. And what happens to the, to those people? 
honestly, Kelly, we have never had that happen. So uh, the good part about it is everyone on the street doesn't have to participate. You're going to reap the benefits of it, but it's not required. Um, and we find that, you know, as these neighborhoods connect with one another and they, you know, ramp up their activities, that anyone who wasn't a member usually comes on board. Okay. I know that you're with Safe City Mississauga and there's, you know, we've got a pretty big broadcasting um, range here. We're talking to people in London at 980 CFPL, people in Hamilton at 900 CHML, uh, people all around Toronto. Mississauga is only one municipality. How many other Safe City organizations are there? Are there several in different uh, municipalities? Well, I think they're just called different things, but what it comes down to is who is your, your, your nonprofit charitable crime prevention association in your neighborhood or in your city? Uh, in some cases, it's ran like we are as a charity nonprofit. In other cases, it's, it's ran as part of the local government. And in others, it, it is completely just a, a committee, a, a group of citizens that have gotten together and started a neighborhood watch. Does Block Parent exist anymore? Block Parent is not active here. Um, I'm not sure where it is active at this time, um, mostly because of, you know, the need to do that background check on people who are saying it's safe for your kid to come into my house if right. they experience something. Right. But with the Neighborhood Watch, people know each other. Know each other. Yep. I have actually had three young students who came to my door and said, we think that there's this guy following us. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, come on in and we can sit here until he, he leaves or I'll go out and take a look around. Amazing. Um, so they, they knew me through, you know, neighborhood watches. Sure. Well, I really appreciate you giving us, uh, you know, a rundown of exactly how Safe City Mississauga is helping people set up their own neighborhood watches. If people are listening and they want to reach out, how do they do that? Absolutely. So you can go to our website at safecitymississauga.on.ca. Um, we have a neighborhood watch bulletin there on how to start your own watch, how to contact us to get that started. There's actually a button. You can just hit it and uh, you'll put your information in and then um, we will reach out to you and get that canvassing started. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. This is how we make everyone more safe. So thank you. Together we can stop crime. Thanks, Teresa. Teresa Burgess Ogilvie, Executive Director of Safe Cities Mississauga. Neighborhood watches back and it's working. And I love it because I love the idea of living in a neighborhood where kind of everybody gets to know each other. You don't have to be like knocking on each other's doors and coming on in for a beer. But it's good to know who your neighbors are so you can keep an eye on each other's houses. It's nice to know that when you're away, people are watching out. I have some great neighbors like that. My question to you is, have you ever been a victim of a break-in? And if you have... Did you ever recover? Because I think that must be one of the biggest violations, even if you're not home, to know that someone has been in your house, you it would it would really change the feeling that you got when you walk through that door, whether you know you own the home or you're renting. I mean, it's your home, home. It's not a house. It's a home. Is it still a home after you're broken into? Or is that violated so completely that it's hard to get back? Martha in Toronto, welcome to the Kelly Cotrera Show. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I so enjoy your show. <laughs> I'm so happy that you do, and uh, we're doing it for you. So I'm so happy you feel like you're welcome enough to be part of it. You had a break-in, Chris said, in 2012? Yeah. So what happened, it was March of 2012, and uh, my husband and I live right in the, the very thick of downtown in a Victorian 
three-story house that also has a, a basement that goes out into the like little yard behind. Yeah. And so our primary bedroom is on the third floor. And uh, what happened this particular, it was a Friday night. I'd gone to a movie with a girlfriend. I came back and I parked the car in behind our house in the little parking pad that we have. My husband was traveling from work and what and, and coming home that evening, but he was coming in late. And generally our routine is when he would come in late, he would sleep on the second floor as not to disturb me. Uh, you know, middle-aged sleeping. You got issues. a good one. You got <laughs> yeah, a good one there. He's a, he's a good one. And yeah. so what happened? I So that morning, the Saturday morning, I all of a sudden could hear our house alarm going off and he was sh- shouting at me to call the police. I ran downstairs not really knowing what was going on and uh, he, he was in his pajamas. He's like, there was a guy in our basement. So what had happened, I guess, was this guy, I don't guess this is what happened. He had been... He, he dug, or the house alarm went off because he compromised the alarm that was on the basement door. It was double doors. And uh, you go down some stairs and it's kind of hidden with a deck over top. Yeah, so, I know. Um, I lived yeah. in one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, Rick, my husband runs downstairs and this guy's standing in our basement. And my husband's in his pajamas and the guy looks at him and says, oh, do you live here? And my husband very sarcastically, like he's, I guess, didn't know what to say at the time. So, I'm in my no. pajamas. Yeah, he's like, he goes, uh, no, what do you think? And the guy goes, oh, okay, and starts to c- continue on into the house. Anyways, Rick starts yelling, and our neighbors, because we're, you know, very close quarters, uh, you know, attached homes and so forth, uh, could hear the commotion. Rick ran out into the backyard chasing this guy, and a bunch of neighbors sort of joined in the chase, and I called the police. And there happened, but what happened prior, before the police actually came, as they're chasing this guy down the street, there was a police car sitting there, so they were able to apprehend this guy. And uh, it turns out he had been responsible for upwards of 60 break-ins. And he had a, like a huge cube van around the corner filled with stolen merchandise. But the thing that always weirds me out is that had my husband not been home, right. this guy would have made it into our house. We have a dog, but he doesn't bark. <laughs> mm. And uh, and he could have made it up to the third third floor where we sleep. And I would have had nowhere to go. And I don't, you know... Generally, they're not like guys that break into houses don't necessarily assault people, but you don't know. Yeah. So, so what we did right after that, he had been working, and here's the other scary part was that he had um, probably been there all night and was likely under the, you know, under the deck part when I parked the car because I got home late around eleven o'clock at night from a movie. How do you get so, that sense of home and safety back? Did you? Well, what? No. So what we did is we um, we got we have like a, a wrought iron fence across the front of our property, you know, pretty little Victorian house, and yeah. uh, so we had the the same uh, wrought iron people make gates to put over. So there's like a gate door before you can go into that little area underneath the deck to then get into the house, uh, and we put them on the windows. And I like I had a home office down there, and I was I didn't ever want that because I thought I'd feel like I was in a jail. But after that happened I got used to it and it's fine and then we um we put extra like sort of locks on the doors we had the front door lock um changed even though he hadn't tried to compromise that with a very locks the lock that they're all um individual keys there's no two the same in the world yeah uh but yeah and I my husband travels a lot I am home a lot I've we don't have children I never minded being by myself um but yeah you know what you need you need a land shark. 
<laughs> I need well the the puppy we have now is a barker so okay. anything that comes along I hear it but you know and, and now since the pen you know that was quite a number of years ago of course 11 years ago and now with what's happening uh you know Toronto the crime seems to be up it's a little bit more dodgy and you know I used to feel safe walking our dog at 11 o'clock at night in our neighborhood and now you almost hear a collective click around nine o'clock at night of everyone just shutting their doors and knopping out on the streets. It's, oh, it's, what it's, a it's drag. Really, yeah, it's a super drag. And yeah. it's, you know, I, I've lived, I didn't grow up downtown, but I've lived, you know, like the majority of my adult life in different downtown scenarios. I, I lived in Manhattan for three years. Never oh my gosh. You know what? We need to go for coffee. We can go on forever because I need to gnaw your. Yeah, I need to chew on that a Manhattan story with you because I've always thought I missed my calling. I should have gone to the to the states, at least New York City, for a while. But Martha, I got to leave it at that. But thank you so much for calling. And it's such a drag because I've I've lived in Toronto in similar circumstances to Martha. Never had a break in, but I'll tell you, it's a city of neighborhoods. When people freak out about Toronto and they're like, "Oh, it must be crazy living in the big smoke," you're like, "What are you talking about? It's a city of small neighborhoods," and that's changing now. Uh, we were talking about a Mississauga neighborhood reduced their crime by an estimated. 80%. Most of the people on this uh, street had been broken into or had been victims of vandalism uh, or car thefts. And they said enough's enough. And then they reached out to, to uh, the fine folks at Safe City Mississauga, set up a neighborhood watch, and it worked. And I just wonder, I mean, this is one of those crimes where if you're broken into, people go, oh, that's terrible. What did they steal? I don't know. They, stel- they stole my sense of safety within my house, my sense of security. They took away the f- the idea that it's a home to me is what I think. I would feel if I'd been violated by a break-in. But let's find out about you. Uh, let's go to Joel. Joel, welcome to the Kelly Cotrera Show. You've been a very patient person, and I appreciate it. I'm a rich doctor, Kelly. Um, last year, last June, uh, it was just before noon. I was getting groceries for my mother. Um, so I was coming home, a uh, small building, 21 units. Everybody knows each other. Uh, there isn't any carpet in the hallway, uh, so it echoes pretty good. So I was just coming down, making the turn to go down to the unit, and this guy just comes out of the apartment. Your apartment? Yep. So I said, uh, can I help you? And he was talking as if he was talking to my mother as he closed the door. Oh, yeah. So I was just trying to think, did some uh, special senior group come by just to check up on her or something? I was just trying to figure it out. So I asked him, hey, man, can I help you? He goes, no, just talking to your mother. I go, what? And he's slowly trying to make his way to the side stairwell. Um, and he was calm. Uh, it really caught me off guard. So, uh, I said, well, look, uh, this is my place. I live here. And he's slowly going down the stairs. I go, what's your name? Gave me his name. Uh, what's your last name? And then he started to dart. So I just dropped all my groceries, ran in the, uh, the unit. My mother was sleeping. Oh no. It was okay. She was she didn't know what was going on. I'm looking around. Everything's nothing was wrecked or whatever. But as I come back out to the door, there is my bottle of Johnny Walker blue sitting by the door so he went into my closet that's where i had it so uh, i ran down i couldn't find him went out to the back it's all fenced off uh just in case he had a car but i looked around there was a guy working out in front of the building and he didn't see anybody leave so um i went back up my mother was you know a little groggy but uh like she's 90 right so mm. i thought should i call the cops now i left it now i left the door open as unlocked because it's a safe building like we've never had any problems but um, I changed the lock the next day, and I called the cops anyway. I said, yeah, I for sure. Court, but yeah, they came by about an hour later, whatever, and I don't think they really believe my story. 
um, which, you know, I, I, you know, they didn't take any, you know, statements or whatever else. They just, uh, you know, my description of the guy and, and, uh, so that was it. After that though, how do you get your sense of, of home back? I mean, do you ever feel secure in that home or were you constantly worried about your mom? No, uh, no, I was just hoping next time that I'm going to grab this guy. Like, um, that's, I was more mad. Wow. You know, um, uh, it's a safe neighborhood. This was during the day. Yeah, that's quite so that's a how, violation. A good-looking guy, you know, unassuming, um, you know, uh, carrying a leather, like a nice leather satchel. So uh, either he was just walking, I, like it's weird, right? It's well, just walking yeah, he, just to make he, a little extra cash. He like, had, a, had to have a merce to put your booze in. Jeez, I appreciate the call, Joel. Thanks so much for the call. Hey, Shane and Trenton. Hey, Kate. Uh, sorry, Kelly. Um, I was telling Chris, so this story has a bit of a uh, very sad ending to it. But um, before COVID, we had um, uh, in rural Brighton, uh, before COVID um, changed everything, we had a bunch of meth addicts that were squatting in a property down the road from us. And uh, in the middle of the night, a couple of them tried to get into my daughter's room. They ripped the screen off, oh, tried to pry the window open. Um yeah, we called the OPP. Uh, they showed up. They really had no interest in dealing with it or dealing with these people. Um, so it just so happened. I, I'm very fortunate. I have a friend with a canine unit in Durham. And uh, I made a call and I said, look, uh, one of these dogs is the older one. We got to get her trained. And we did. We got her trained in personal protection. And uh, from that night forward, um, uh, I started sleeping with both the dogs and a ROM 9mm next to the bed. So I don't know what that is. That sounds like some sort of gun. Well, it is. and uh, But this is the worst part is uh, the May 2-4 long weekend before um, COVID, um, our neighbor down the road the other way going towards Colburn was murdered in his outbuilding. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and if you ever want to look it up, uh, Boyd Woods, who was murdered in Brighton, 78 years old, retired plumber, and the OPP believe they know who it was out of a few of these squatters who were there, uh, but they've still never caught him to this day. Wow, that's a tragic, tragic story, and uh, I appreciate the call, Shane, as always. Um, Let's move to Rick in London. Rick, a guy came in your basement? Yeah, he came through the basement window there. I'm at work at nights. I work at a manufacturing place, and the wife works nights too at a different factory. So we got this female Rottweiler. She just had her litter the day before. Oh. And what I can ascertain is I think the guy came through the basement window, probably put his leg through the window coming down. He must have stepped on her or something because she went nuts on him, I guess. And uh, by the time he made it out the window, it's uh, my neighbors said they seen some guy running down the street, T-shirt on, no underwear on, work boots. Wow. Barry, you know what? Barry, you know what? Wow. And, uh, just, he's just scratched all the hell. So I get home there and I had to laugh. I mean, it's not funny, but I had to laugh. I get, I go walk downstairs to see how the dog is. And here's this pair of denim jeans. I mean, they look like they were just put right through a shredder. Wow. I just couldn't believe it. It was unreal. Wow. So the last time somebody tries breaking into my house there. Yeah. Well, look at, you don't mess with a mother, right? I mean, oh. she's there protecting her babies. She's just had the litter and also knows that it's her territory. Uh, she's not going to take kindly to somebody that's entering through the window. I, I appreciate the call. Oh, that's quite a visual you gave us of the denim jeans and the guy running down the street. Uh, wow, that'll make you think twice about doing anything illegal again if you're that guy.